As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. My guest today, Jeff Rimmer, the longtime play-by-play voice of the Columbus Blue Jackets and my old friend from the Florida Panthers. Uh, Jeff really took me under his wing when I covered uh, the Panthers for the Sun Sentinel down there. I met him in 1995-6. I was a young pup, thought I knew everything, learned I didn't. Um, he likes to say that he gave me scoop after scoop after scoop. That is absolutely inaccurate, but he definitely uh, helped me along uh, the way. But as you're going to tell in this podcast, we have a lot of inside jokes, a lot of ribbing on each other. He's one of my best friends in the whole world, and and uh, you're going to learn here that I give him the scoops, not vice versa. Um, long time career should be in the Hall of Fame eventually one day. I mean, it really it's it's long time coming that he hasn't. Um, we'll talk everything from Larry King on this podcast to his time in Montreal. Um, you know, doing the expo and the Canadians, uh, to the Capitals, to the Panthers, and then to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So you'll enjoy this podcast. It's one of my favorite ones that I've ever done. I'm out here in Vegas with the uh, Minnesota Wild. It's been weird out here because it's like a ghost town. We're in that sort of weird part of the the sports season when, you know, baseball's just starting up. The Super Bowl's just over. March Madness is coming. So it just feels like not a lot of people are out in Vegas, but it was really neat the other night on Monday that 2,600 fans, 2,605 to be exact, came into a Vegas Golden Knights game for the first time this season. It was the first time that the Minnesota Wild played in front of an appreciable amount of fans uh, the, all year, and and really you could tell that the energy was up. But unfortunately, a disappointing ending for the Wild that game. They wound up losing 5-4 in overtime. Second game in a row, they blew a big third-period lead. Uh, they wound up blow, blowing a three-goal lead against the LA Kings in their previous game, but it was overshadowed because Matt Dumas scored a buzzer-beater overtime goal. This time, it wouldn't be overshadowed because Mark Stone, on his fifth assist tonight, set up Max Pacioretty. Matt 
Max Pacioretty for the uh, overtime winner two minutes into OT. But it was a disappointing game because the Wild scored four second period goals. Everything was going great. They got depth scoring. They held a 4-2 lead going into the third period. They held Vegas to no shots in their first 11:35 of that period. And yet the Wilds somehow, uh, you know, it's like Vegas just turned it up. They started activating their defense and just went for it all. And they got and they wound up uh, being able to uh, to uh, tie the game and forcing overtime. The big lineup news coming tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights for the first time in his career and definitely for the first time in his wild career. Zach Parisi, a healthy scratch, obviously not playing well this season, but he was the guy that made the egregious mistake on the tying goal the other night. It wasn't that he just made a defensive mistake. I think Dean Evison can handle that, but the repercussion for Zach Parisi spending a minute 33 out on his final shift, not going for a line change because, uh, you know, evidently he obviously wanted an empty net goal and then being somebody that because he w- was on the ice tired, made the defensive mistake, he's going to pay for it tonight. And it shows that there's accountability on this team and, and it uh, doesn't matter what your name is and how much your salary is and how uh, you know big of a player you've been here in the past. Uh, Dean Evison's going to um, you know hold everybody to the same standards. And uh, Zach will not play tonight. I can't imagine. Uh, he's super happy about that. And and so that's the big news. The other news is Ryan Hartman has a, a lower body injury. Um, I believe he's supposed to be, miss about a week to ten days. Um, so two taxi squad players will be in the lineup tonight. Jerry Hugh, uh, Jerry Mayhew and Kyle Rao will get in again the Vegas Golden Knights. Then the Wild will take Thursday off, go to Arizona, play back-to-back games at Arizona against the Coyotes. First time the Wild will see the Coyotes uh, this season. So um, so that is the news so far uh, coming into tonight's game. We'll see if the Wild can uh, rebound from a, a tough game the other night, a tough um, outcome. This is really the first time this year that they've been in a situation where they're entering a game really stung by something that they um, you know, uh, messed up on in the previous game, and we'll see how they handle that. Everything is uh, you know, a different experience this year with very few fans in and and the way that the wild have been rolling lately um you know obviously disappointed that they that their six game winning streak is no more but they still have a seven game point streak and we'll see if they could show the league again that they uh are legit going into this game against the golden knights and somehow get uh even with a team that has a ton of great players both up front and on the back end uh but without further ado one of my best friends in the world columbus play by play guy jeff rimmer and as mentioned, uh, one of my best friends in the whole world, somebody I've known for a long, long time from my days down in Florida where he took me under his wing, at least he likes to say, and gave me every single scoop that I broke down in Florida. He used to call me scoops, almost started a fist fight in the uh, locker room once. <laughs> uh, long time Columbus Blue Jackets play-by-play guy, 17 years in Columbus, Jeff Rimmer. How are you? I'm very well, Mike. How are you? It's pretty cool that we're doing it via Zoom this way, so at least I could see you. Usually I see you at least twice a hockey season, uh, back when you were in the Western Conference four or five times a hockey season. Um, this year, we're not getting to see each other because we're in different conferences. It's uh, That's been good for my wallet because, as you know, I'm the one that always has to buy dinner. Well, first of all, uh, those were the good old days. Not only... Only the fact that you would buy dinner or I'd buy you a Starbucks coffee. But the fact of the matter is we get a chance to visit for a while and uh, talk about your mom. She's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, you're exactly like my mom. So like I was telling Jeff Domet yesterday that it's so typical that we're going to be doing a uh, a podcast at 745 a.m. my time. 
because the only two people that call me before 8 a.m. almost every day is Jeff Rimmer and my mom. And what happens? Jeff doesn't know I'm in Vegas today, and boom, phone starts ringing at 6 a.m. my time today. Well, unbelievable. First of all, you should be uh, happy that I would even call you. Uh, secondly, how am I supposed to know your itinerary? I mean, you've been holed up in Minnesota, uh, not even uh, attending practices uh, many days. And here you are now in Vegas opening things up. I suspect that you spent the night in the casino all night, probably. Uh, cigar lounge. I figured there's no there's no safer place to be during a pandemic than a cigar bar. But uh, yeah, I did do that. Um, but a couple nice meals. It's been good to get on the road, Jeff. I bet. Uh, and of course, uh, we're on the road, so to speak, Jody Shelley and, and myself uh, on the Blue Jackets telecast, but we're not with the team. Uh, we are in Cincinnati to do the games. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we can't travel with the hockey club, which we normally do. And it's a situation where Fox Sports Ohio does not have a studio in Columbus. So it was either Cleveland, which is a little over two hours away from Columbus, or uh, for those of you geographically inclined, uh, we go to Cincinnati, which is just an hour and a half from my apartment. Basically on the Kentucky border, right? Yes, basically. Yeah. And uh, staying at a nice hotel, getting the Marriott points, just like you, Russo, you've taught me well. No, exactly. So let's uh, let's see, where should we start? Um, uh, I guess let's let's start with the Blue Jackets right now. Um, you know, Jeff, uh, obviously, uh, it's been struggles yesterday. Yarmo Kekalainen came out, um, had, a, had a Zoom with uh, reporters, uh, gave a vote of confidence to John Tortorella, made it clear that that John's gotten this uh, team out of out of some tough spots before, but it obviously has been a disappointing start with the Blue Jackets so far this year. Uh, you know, still has some work to do to get into the top four in your division. Well, uh, let me say this: that uh, I know there are a lot of people suspecting that uh, there would be a coaching change. I don't think that uh, Yarmo Kekalainen ever had that in his mind. Uh, John Tortorella. Uh, first and foremost, has done an outstanding job here. He's one of the longest tenured coaches in the National Hockey League. It's a situation where uh, Coach Tortorella, along with John Davidson and Yarmo Kekalainen, brought some culture here. This team has struggled after, uh, of course, uh, the disastrous uh, job that uh, Scott Housen did as general manager. They had to change the culture here. And it was a situation where... Uh, Kekalainen came, as the, came in as a GM, first European general manager in the National Hockey League. John Davidson made that decision, and it was a good one. And bringing in John Tortorella, which certainly uh, was John Davidson for, first and foremost, because John knew Tortorella from their days in New York together, knew the kind of coach that the Blue Jackets hockey team needed, and he went out, uh, signed him, told John Tortorella right from the get-go that this was not going to be a situation where he's coaching in Vancouver or coaching in New York. Columbus is a Midwestern town, Midwestern values, and for the most part, uh, John has stayed on course. Yeah, there are a few times I had to uh, reel him back in, uh, but the guy's done an outstanding job. And I know a lot of people looked earlier on this season when uh, the Blue Jackets departed with... Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, a player that uh, obviously is a guy that uh, they coveted. They drafted him third overall to the surprise of everybody. And uh, let, me, let me just say this, that uh, it was an unfortunate situation. Uh, I think the Blue Jackets would have preferred to have Dubois here, but he could not take the tough love from John Tortorella. And Mike, you and I were in Tampa and or excuse me in florida and we watched tampa when tortorella was there he gave tough tough love to people yeah. like Vinny lecavalier lecavalier young french canadian 
They're a little more emotional, much like Dubois. And uh, the difference was after those first few Rocky years, uh, you had a situation where Le Cavalier became one of the best young players and top centers in the National Hockey League. And he could credit. He could credit John Tortorella. Marty St. Louis, he bounced around. He was in Calgary for a while, couldn't make the team. He and Tortorella butted heads. Yet you talk to Marty St. Louis today, and he will tell you that he owes his career to John Tortorella. Bjorkstrand, a player on this Columbus Hockey Club, took tough love. Zach Wierenski. The difference was they could take it. Dubois could not handle it, and that's why the trade was made, plain and simple. But getting back to Tortorella and perhaps a coaching change, it wasn't going to happen. Tortorella deserves a lot of credit for the success this franchise has had. Four straight years in the playoffs, looking for a fifth. Yes, it's going to be a little tougher here this year, but I still think the Blue Jackets have an excellent chance to make the postseason. And if you listen to Columbus Blue Jackets uh, press conferences, you know that Jeff Remmer could also take the tough love because uh, Jeff has a tendency in normal times to have his phone ringer go off in Tortorella press conferences. He not only has done it once, but I think you've done it two or three times, Jeff, and somehow you've survived. I survived. John knows that uh, he needs me uh, at his side, so it wasn't ever a case. <laughs> in fact, one time that he just he went off on me big time. And of course, <laughs> late, this is a true story. Later that night, my phone rings, and I pick it up, and it's Torts. He says, hey, you know I was just kidding around. You know I was just <laughs> kidding around. I said, Torts, that's fine. I deserved it. My phone went off. The next time it was my uh, my new uh, watch, my new Apple watch, and I forgot to turn <laughs> off the ringer, so that went off. And he goes, river, river, river. And, of course, Jody Shelley and others, members of the media, Aaron Portsline and and Tom uh, Tom Reed, their phones went off, not the Tom Reed in Minnesota, but the Tom Reed yeah. uh, that uh, used to write for the Dispatch and the Athletic. And uh, immediately, I get blamed for it. So it wasn't even my phone, but uh, Torts immediately looked at me, and uh, the other guy sheepishly just kind of hit. Yeah, the biggest disappointment of the Zoom times is that you know, we know that Rimmer, uh, one, it probably can't unmute and mute his uh, his Zoom, but <laughs> let alone uh, the fact that he gets probably away with his ringer still going off and yet when he when he is muted. So, Oh, hold on a, a second here. I've advanced in technology. You were the guy that was having a little bit of difficulty when this whole thing started here. Yeah, uh, that's When our point. Zoom started, but I just yeah. want to say that I've got my phone. I'm looking at it here right now. Calls and notifications will be silenced while your iPhone is locked yeah. until this event, Mike Russo's event, yeah. ends at 11.45. So you're in good shape. Jeff, um, let's let's talk about, uh, I have an array of subjects that we want to talk about, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of inside jokes going on back uh, between us and things like that. But obviously, I've known you for a long, long time. I know all your dirty little secrets, too. I could probably uh, uh, throw some of those out there. Um, as well. But let's talk about your career. I mean, you started in Montreal, then you go to Washington for 10 years where uh, Larry King helped get you your start, which we got to talk about. Then you're in Florida um, for 11. And then uh, obviously the uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets for 17. Um, as you and I sometimes joke, we're probably two of the losingest media members in the history of this sport, right? I mean, you in Columbus, me in Minnesota and Florida. Um, we worked together when the Panthers had success, but then it quickly went downhill. Um, it, it, your longevity is what is so cool about you. Like, well, I tell you all the time, and I'm, I know I'm biased because we're friends, but I say, but I watch your, your broadcast, and I think that Columbus has one of the best broadcasts in the NHL. And what I love about you is that you are old school. Every goal is different. You're as excited when the other team scores as the, as the Blue Jackets. There's no signature goal call. It's just you, you let, 
you know, there, there's just a, you feel like you're watching old time, and I mean this with respect, watching an old time hockey broadcaster, and, and we don't get a lot of that in today's day and age. Do you feel the same way? Well, I, I guess that's uh, in part because I grew up in Canada, uh, grew up initially in Toronto, uh, and then moved out west to uh, Calgary. First day of high school, just as an aside, I walk into homeroom, and who's there? John Davidson. We instantly yeah. became great friends. We skipped typing class and went out and skated on then an outdoor rink uh, before climate change. And it was just great. We'd wave at the kids in Henry Wisewood uh, high school class uh, in that typing class and uh, just go out there and skate. And I guess one of the great stories, just again, as an aside, and you'll appreciate this. I don't know if you've ever heard this story from J.D., I but, have heard it. I know what you're about to say. But, it was hilarious. Uh, J.D. was an outstanding goaltender in junior hockey. In fact, he was uh, probably the highest drafted player uh, initially as a goaltender when he was uh, drafted by the St. Louis Blues. But uh, he went on to a great junior career and an NHL career that was shut, uh, well, cut short by uh, the fact that he had uh, back and knee problems. But uh, when he tried out for the junior A team, he says, Jeff, you got to come with me. You got to try out. I said, J.D., I will not have any chance of making it. No, 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 no. You're going to come for the ice time. So we head out to Rosecon Arena, and uh, I knew I was in trouble when my bib number was 250 or 252. And uh, as we were skating around, I got a tap on the shoulder from uh, from the uh, coach, head coach, and he said, hey, young man, um, you know, we've got a lot of bodies out here. Uh, House League starts on Tuesday. So uh, I go out for house league on Tuesday. And of course, John Davidson's watching me as I leave the ice and he's just banging his stick and laughing hysterically. But I go out for house league on Tuesday, the Kingsland uh, outdoor rink. And wouldn't you know it, I'm on the uh, snowbank. So uh, I figured at that point that uh, my love for hockey would have to be involved in a, a broadcasting capacity. And that's really what I wanted to do since the 10th grade is become a hockey broadcaster. And I watched some of the best, uh, Dan Kelly, of course, uh, who made his career in St. Louis uh, and ultimately CBS, uh, Foster Hewitt, as I said, growing up in Toronto, Danny Gallivan, uh, who I got very close to in my days in Montreal. And I guess it was those guys that uh, really uh, I, I've tried to emulate in, in, in fashion and uh, uh, I, I've had a great career. I've enjoyed it. And hey, it's not over yet. So let's not yeah. put, uh, put things to bed. By the way, uh, I, I just let Aaron Portsline, the athletic uh, Columbus Blue Jackets writer, know that I have rims on my podcast today. And he just asked me who canceled. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Not> Aaron. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jeff, um, let's talk about your time in Montreal. I mean, I grew up a huge Expo fan. You were around the Expos. You were around the Canadians. And one of my favorite stories of all time is uh is um well tell the Pete Rose Doug Flynn story. Let's go there. Well, uh it was nice. By the way, if you don't believe this story that Jeff's about to tell, you could actually Google it and you will find an associated press story from back in like nineteen eighty one or something. Well let me tell you there's uh, there's a lot to tell because it was nineteen eighty four and uh I was already getting feelers from Baltimore uh because the general manager that hired me in Montreal from Los Angeles, where I was doing TV sports on weekends at KHJ television, uh, I wanted to get back into hockey. And of course, I almost uh, got hired by the Los Angeles Kings to do their radio. And this was while I was living in L.A. After I left uh, uh, CBC in Canada, I'd worked the Olympics 
1976, and I had the premier event. I guess I'm I'm digressing here, but I had the premier event, uh, which was gymnastics, and I uh, was the one that uh, worked alongside Chris Schenkel, one of the great late sportscasters of all time on ABC, and he was asking me how to pronounce Romanian names like Nadia Comaneci. <laughs> Uh, it was it was the thrill of a lifetime. Uh, the reason why I got the assignment uh, was because Ernie Afghanis, who was one of the great Canadian broadcasters of all time, he was elevated to uh, the position of host and they needed someone to comment on gymnastics. So I was new to gymnastics. They sent me to a number of events prior to the Olympics in 76. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, I worked those Olympic Games and uh, it was a thrill. Uh, in 1977, I uh, was hired by David Barrett, who was the general manager of uh, CFCF Television and Radio in Montreal, and he went to Baltimore and wanted to hire me there. But uh, getting back to the Expo story, while in Montreal in 1984, you remember those early uh, 80s, the Expos had outstanding baseball teams, Carter, Dawson, Tim Raines, Ellis Valentine, uh, Larry Tim Wallach. Tim Wallach. I mean, I can just go through the list. Just That was my favorite player of all time. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you that they lacked the leadership. They lacked that guy that had been there. So I'm doing a uh, uh, daily sports talk show. It's the baseball offseason. And I came up with this idea that I was going to call Pete Rose, who was released by the Phillies after the 1983 World Series, which they lost uh, to Baltimore, by the way, uh, coincidentally. And uh, I called Pete and I said, listen, I'm going to start a campaign, Pete, and I'm going to see and insist that the Expos hire you uh, and bring you to Montreal because I think you could be the missing link. Great idea, Jeff. So what I did was I'd had Pete on once a week. And Pete, when he joined me, would repeatedly say, just judge me by what I can do, my intangibles, not by my birth certificate. Charles Bronfman who then owned the Expos and coincidentally the radio television station that I was working for said, despite what Jeff Rimmer says, we are not signing Pete Rose. Well, I've got a picture of Pete and I, January the 19th. I remember as if it was yesterday, 1984. And guess what? The Expos sign Pete Rose. So Pete and I go to spring training. This was my first exposure to Pete, by the way, of uh, his gambling. Because at Gary Carter's 30th birthday in West Palm Beach, uh, it was the NCAA tournament time, March Madness. And Pete has all these betting sheets on the NCAA games. He has them on this big table that uh, was supposed to be for food at Gary Carter's home. Anyway, uh, fast forward, Pete and I become great friends. And uh, we go to regular season play in Montreal and Doug Flynn second baseman, great glove, no hit. Well, Pete and I are great friends and, and Doug Flynn, who of course was part of that big red machine with Pete in Cincinnati. He says, so what about you and this uh, rumor guy? He said, oh yeah, he's a good guy and blah, 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 blah. And uh, you know, he really knows the sport and knows the people. And Doug Flynn finds himself on the bench, comes in as a late defensive replacement on many occasions. And he finally goes public, goes to the Montreal Gazette and says, play me or trade me. Well, this particular game is a Thursday night. And uh, by the way, if you remember the late Dave Lander, Squiggy, he came up for a four-game weekend series uh, between the Expos and the Pirates. He was a huge Pirate fan. In fact, owned part of the 
yeah, Pirates minor league team in Portland. And he's up for the weekend. We became friends in baseball. I visited him in Pittsburgh and in Los Angeles, et cetera. And uh, this particular Thursday night, Flynn comes in as a defensive replacement, makes two errors, and uh, the Pirates come from behind and beat the Expos 5-4. After the game, Pete goes nuts. He goes public and says, this guy, Rimmer, is the most negative guy that I've ever heard. And uh, he needs to, you know, just calm down. I've heard that from you on occasion. Many and, uh, <clears throat> well, it's headlines in the paper the next day. I go to Pete on a Friday before the game in, in the dugout. And I say, hey, Pete, what's this all about? And he says, oh, I was misquoted, taken out of context. And of course, the headlines, <laughs> the headlines are there as well. On, uh, on uh, I, I guess if you uh, Google them. But uh, Pete calls the talk show. My guest is David Lander on Friday night. I'm doing the show from Salon 76, the restaurant at Olympic Stadium. Pete calls the show, comes on the air. And I said, hey, Pete, how you doing? And he says, you owe me an apology, Rimmer. And I said, apology for what? And uh, he says, well, you know, you're trying to ruin my reputation. I spent all these years in baseball. I said, where do I owe you an apology? I just spoke the truth in my commentary. Well, we fast forward to Saturday. It's the NBC game of the week. After the game, I go in the clubhouse to do my postgame stuff. And uh, I walk in, Chris Spire and Jim Wolford, couple of uh, utility players on the Expos are standing at the door waiting my arrival and they've got boxing gloves. They want to make light of this. I was, again, very close to the players. I was very close to the team. And uh, this is going to be made uh, into basically a, a fun situation. Well, I go over to Pete's locker and I hand him a cassette and I say, Pete, here's my commentary. You tell me where I'm trying to ruin your reputation. And he tells me, and, and I'm cleaning it up a little bit here, but he's sitting there at, uh, at his locker and he stands up and he's going to grab me. Well, I'm not going to let Pete hit me. So I hit the ground. Doug Flynn comes over and starts kicking me. My best friend on the ball club, Gary Carter, comes over, throws Flynn against the locker on the other side. And it's pure bedlam. In walks John McHale, the president of the team. And he says, what is going on? He goes into the manager, Bill Verdon's office. And, uh, well, at that point, it becomes a national story. It was in the New York Times. Pete Rose has had a struggle in Montreal, swinging and missing on the field. Today, he swung and missed off the field, missing me. Well, he didn't have a chance in, in uh, even coming did, close did, did to hitting me. Did Doug Flynn, I mean, didn't he like kick you in the face? Did he ever get in no, trouble? No, 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 no. It was, it, anyway, my sh the worst part of it was when Flynn, or rather uh, Rose tried to grab me and I was wearing my favorite, my favorite Montreal Canadiens golf shirt. Um, again, being a- So even in 1984, you were getting free garb? Yes, yes, yes. So uh, he ripped my shirt and I had a little scratch in the side, but uh, that was it. Meantime, the ownership of the radio TV station had changed. Charles Bronfman no longer owned it. Uh, Mr. Jean Pouliot owned the team. And uh, once the story kind of hit the uh, national press and the local press, uh, the ownership group said, hey, we demand uh, an apology or uh, perhaps a lawsuit. Hey, <clears throat> back in those days, if there were uh, camera crews in the uh, in their dressing room, maybe perhaps I might have owned the Expos. Had a whole different career. I might have been older. <laughs> But not a shock. Long and short of it is, uh, Pete apologized next day in the owner's suite. 
Uh, in fact, Pete gave me the tip. I was the guy that called Brent Musburger. You can believe this. I was stringing for CBS radio at the time. And uh, Musburger, I'd, I'd give him a few scoops along the way. You're not the only scoop meister, Russo. <laughs> and uh, I gave uh, Musburger the story because Pete called me and said, uh, I'm being released by the Expos. And tomorrow I'm going to be named manager of uh, the Cincinnati Reds. And that's, of course, where all his problems started with the Reds. But uh, a couple of years ago in Vegas, I can go to Vegas too, Russo. And I took Jody Shelley to uh, meet Pete. And uh, uh, Shelley says to uh, Rose, yeah, Rimmer told me all the stories about you and you tried to beat him up. And he says, what else did he tell you? So he admitted that Rose admitted it. And, yeah. uh, from time to time, my son, Josh, who's involved in the media, he's talked to yeah. me. Always says, how's your dad? And Pete's called me a couple of times when he's been in Cincinnati and wanting to come up for a, uh, a hockey game here in Columbus. So, uh, yeah, all is forgotten. And by the way, Doug Flynn, we played in uh, Marty Brenneman, the, uh, the great uh, now uh, retired broadcaster of the Cincinnati Reds. Marty Brenneman used to invite me to his golf tournament. And uh, Doug Flynn and I had a nice visit there, and he apologized. And uh, <laughs> Hey, all is well. And by the way, Josh Rimmer is the, the only one with uh, more numbers than probably Josh Rimmer, more like NHL hockey numbers, is our producer on this podcast, uh, Jeff Domet. Oh, no Jeff question and, about it. If you ever need a phone number, you call Jeff or Josh. Um, <clears throat> Jeff, um, uh, I, I, you know, it's funny listening to you tell, take that uh, trip down memory lane. I, it's it, like it makes me realize how many people I've met because of you. I mean, that day that we hung out with Squiggy all day in South Florida was one of my you know, you know, biggest thrills of my life. And then also for a little while getting to know, unfortunately, before he passed away, Gary Carter. And um, I remember, uh, uh, you know, we went to a big dinner at Brio in Boca Raton with uh, after Gary passed away with uh, with Gary's wife. And, um, you know, it's it's crazy how many Great last man. week on the last last week's show. I remember I, I was talking to Brian Lawton and I, I remember in 2005, you, me, and Bobby Orr having breakfast at the Ottawa Weston, watching Len Barry and Orrin Coolis interviewing Brian Lawton right in front of us in the in the breakfast room. And I, I said, I'm like, boy, they're not really hiding the fact that they're interviewing a new uh, potential GM there with Jay Feaster still the GM at the team at the time. So it's just a, uh, it's funny how many people I've met uh, because of you. Let's uh, b before we uh, uh, go into probably a lot of funny inside jokes between the two of us that we could uh, share with people. Um. Tell, tell me about moving to Washington and how Larry King on the air essentially handed you your job. Well, it was 1984. And coincidentally, after uh, all the uh, brouhaha with the uh, Rose and uh, the battle there with uh, uh, Doug Flynn, uh, I got a couple of uh, phone calls from WBAL in Baltimore, the radio and television station, which had asked me if I was interested in the job. Remember, David Barrett had gone there in, in 1984. So the next day, the program director calls me and he says, you're the guy, we want you. And I said, hey, I'm not normally controversial if that's what you're looking for. I'm, uh, no, <laughs> I call him as I see him, but I don't get too controversial. Why are you laughing, Russo? Uh, just uh, uh, no comment. No comment. Well, here's your chance to take a shot. You're not taking it. I'm impressed. I got many shots coming, trust me. So anyway, um, I eventually uh, went to uh, uh, to Baltimore, and David Poyle met me uh, prior to my uh, departure at a uh, Washington uh, Capitals uh, Montreal Canadiens game, and he said, hey, listen, you're coming down. I I'd certainly like to talk to you about a job with uh, the Capitals at some point. So I got to uh, Baltimore. 
Baltimore and, and basically doing the Orioles and, and, a, and a talk show in the off season. And uh, once uh, the baseball season got underway, uh, Larry King comes in and says, Hey man. Uh, and, and I hadn't you know, met him or whatever. And he said, I really like the way you do your show and, and your guests and talking baseball and hockey. And I'd like you to come and be a guest on my uh, intermission because Larry was the original intermission host of Capitals Hockey. He was uh, honorary captain of the team and he was working for Mutual Radio late at night, hadn't started at CNN. And this particular game that uh, he asked me to come down and, and join him in, in an intermission, uh, unbeknownst to me, at the end of the intermission, he turns to the camera and says, this guy, Rimmer, knows more. He's a Canadian, knows more about hockey than I'll ever know. I'm starting at CNN Monday, and uh, he's your new host. Well, I hadn't talked to home team sports. Then uh, uh, the folks that uh, uh, own the rights to Capitals Hockey, uh, they obviously had talked to me about doing something the following season. But uh, huh, lo and behold, they had to negotiate a deal with me, and I didn't hold them up by any means. I'm not that kind of guy, Russo. You know that. <laughs> and uh, we came to a, uh, a fair agreement. And for the balance of that season, when Larry started Monday, that following Monday at CNN, I was the new host of Capitals Hockey. And, and I was for a couple of years. I had the longest interview. Uh, Paul Steigerwald, the longtime uh, broadcaster for the Penguins, said, I've got the longest interview in, uh, interview in history with Mario Lemieux. And uh, it's out there on YouTube. If you want to know everything about Mario Lemieux, it was uh, following a, a Penguins victory in Washington over the Capitals. But uh, there it was, Lemieux and I, and uh, an extensive interview. Uh, but uh, I eventually became, eventually became the play-by-play -play voice. And in fact, how about this, Russo? I don't know if you even know this or remember if you do. Uh, I became the first uh, broadcaster, I believe, in NHL history to broadcast two teams at the same time. I uh, finished up the Washington Capitals uh, road games and uh, was approached by the Florida Panthers. Bobby Clark recommended me to Bill Torrey, and I was offered the job as uh, the play-by-play -play voice alongside the Hall of Famer Dennis Potvin to become the, the uh, broadcast team of uh, the Florida Panthers in the inaugural season. Yeah, no, I remember you flying back and forth like a madman between games uh, to do Washington road games and then coming back to Florida games. And that was sort of like the early days of now what national people have to do when they're doing a home team, but then have to go and quickly pick up a national team. But you were doing it with actually two uh, NHL teams. Um, Jeff, um, you come down to Florida. I mean, probably one of the coolest parts of being down in Florida is there, there were a lot of people down there that you already knew. I mean, uh, you know, got, especially Brian Murray, their first uh, uh, or their second general manager after Bobby Clark and eventually Doug McLean as well, who became there as coach. And he brought you to Columbus. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. Uh, and that 1996 season was a memorable one. And I tell people all the time uh, it was not Doug McLean's coaching. Let me make that fact right now. It was the team that Brian Murray assembled, the late Brian Murray, who I, I miss uh, terribly, uh, one of the greatest hockey people that I've met in, in all my years in hockey. But it was the group that Bobby Clark and Brian Murray assembled, uh, just the greatest group of players, not talent-wise, but leadership-wise, character-wise, and uh uh, I tell you, it was a great team. I give Roger Nielsen, the late Roger Nielsen, a lot of credit. He and Bobby uh, Clark went after a certain type of player. 
And uh, once Doug McLean became the second coach following Roger Nielsen, uh, he uh, had the, the fruits of the labor of, of uh, others. And uh, that run was uh, memorable. It's certainly disappointing to lose uh, four straight to Colorado in the Stanley Cup final. But what, what was great was beating Philadelphia. Terry Murray, who later would become coach, of uh, the Florida Panthers saying that we didn't get beat by a better team. We were the better team. They beat the Flyers and then went on and beat the Penguins in seven games and ultimately losing four straight to Colorado. But uh, when you look at that team, Brian Scrudland, Scott Mellenby, Mike Huff, Dave Lowry, who's now assistant coach there in, in Winnipeg with the Jets, uh, just tremendous people. And, and who can forget one of your favorite people who all often called you a bad guy. The great uh, John Van Beesbrook. Uh, he didn't like you at all. Poison no. pen, Russo. No, we've we've since made up, but at the time it wasn't it wasn't exactly a, a love fest, that's for sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Um, it really is. You look at that team, 95-96 Panthers, Stu Barnes, I mean, Terry Karkner, Radek Dvorak, Tom Fitzgerald, Johan Garpenlov, Mike Huff, Jody Hull, Ed Jovanovsky, Paul Laws. What a team. Bill Lindsay, Gordon Murphy, Rob Niedemar, Ray Shepard. It was just an awesome team. Marty Straka, Robert Svela. Um, pretty awesome. Uh, Rhett Warner. Um, that was a heck of a time. Um, obviously, you know, I'm a, I'm a young sports writer at that point. A couple of years later, I become the full-time beat writer for the Sun Sentinel. I was extremely young. I, you know, I remember my first year, I didn't even know that you're supposed to stick with the same airline and the same hotel point. That's the first rule in journalism is you got to go get your points. And at the end of the year, I'm watching David Neal and Brian Begin go to all these far off places for free. I'm like, wait, how do you do that? And he goes, you stick with one airline. You don't, you don't go and, and find, uh, you know, fl- I remember that first year I was like on you know, Continental this trip, United this trip, U.S. Air this trip, and at the end of the year, I went nowhere. Um, but you were a big, uh, you know, a big factor. You never treated me like a kid, which is one of those things that I, I'll always remember. Um, you know, you, I used to, you were the only single person that I knew that also had Direct TV. Um, my first years covering the league, <laughs> there so we, we go. Used to, we used to come to your house and watch all these TSN. Uh, broadcast. Remember, we'd be in your living room watching like trade deadline with like Len Barry and like Mike Sillinger, like actual players on the team. Didn't one of them 
find out that they were traded while like sitting. I think it was Sillinger was traded while we were in your house watching and, uh, TSN. So tra- yeah, so I got the scoop. The best one. Do you remember Len Barry? Somebody was playing a practical joke on him and calling him from the from the uh, Florida Panthers headquarters on his phone, so he'd see the caller ID and he was convinced he was getting traded. And it was it was somebody playing a practical joke on him, exactly, which was hilarious. But we used to always go, it was quite the racket. We used to always go to Jeff's house to go figure out a way to go get TSN. So it was uh, it was pretty fun the way that you uh, you handled that. Well, um, I'm glad that uh, you didn't bring up uh, one certain uh, thing that we used to do collectively uh, because, well, there might be a statute of limitations or whatever. Yeah, I think so. So, so they, I'll just tell the story. So Jeff, Jeff had some mechanism which we could all I didn't get. Didn't have the mechanism. I knew somebody who <laughs> you had knew the mechanism. somebody. So we would go there, bring our like Directv card. He would get it like programmed where we could get like Directv for free <laughs> and watch like the Canadian things. And then every week I'd have to call him up and be like, uh, "It was zapped. I got to come back and come back." And everybody on the Panthers was doing this. Um, the other hilarious story to this day that I just laugh about, Jeff, and it says everything about sometimes your frugal nature. Like just the type of person when we will go to Tom Reed's and we'll use gift certificates and when we and when we have a balance on the gift certificate he'll use the balance to try to get a Tom Reed's hat. So, <laughs> but the other thing I'm I'm sitting in his couch I'm sitting in his in his apart in his house one day he lived on a golf course that was in Caddyshack right Grand Oaks yes yep um, so that the the one of the golf courses that you see in the movie Caddyshack, Jeff lived right on one of the holes there. And so I used to come there during the playoffs um, to watch games. And like a week or two before, it's the end of the Florida Panthers regular season. And I, I'm looking up uh, between periods and I'm watching Jeff do his intermission hit. And he's like holding a Dunkin Donuts coffee mug. And I'm like, what, what is he doing? Just it's like he's like not even subtly. He's just like swinging it as he's doing his hit, talking about like you know Rob Niedermeyer scored two goals. When I'm like, so I go in between periods. I'm like, do you have a deal with Dunkin' Donuts? He goes, no, no, I'm just drinking coffee. And I'm like, that that seems strange. <laughs> so a couple weeks later, I'm in his house. I'm playing with his dog Rusty that he uh, you know absolutely fell in love with eventually, but hated at the time. And I so I had to come there and be nice to Rusty. And I go over to. Um, you know, make myself a coffee or something. And I open up this this drawer to look for a spoon. And in this Snooping drawer, around, Russo, snooping around. In this draw, drawer had to be 200 Dunkin' Donuts coupons. So Jeff Rimmer essentially made his own endorsement deal for, for, with Dunkin' Donuts where he would like swing this coffee mug on the air in exchange for like free Dunkin' Donuts coffee coupons. That's not true. That's not accurate. Uh, the, the story may be accurate. The coupon number may be, well, closely accurate, but uh, no, it was a Florida Panther, Fox Sports, Florida deal. And I was the beneficiary and I had to uh, basically they promote Dunkin' Donuts, plain and simple. Not make a big deal of it, not do an, an out-and-out commercial, but uh, just have a sip of coffee along the way. Maybe you can make that kind of deal with Starbucks. You certainly talk about them enough. That's true. I should get one. So, Jeff, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, I, I, I was lucky enough down in Florida to really you know, gain a lot of sources, and I really started you know, breaking a lot of stories down there. And one of the funnier stories uh, that we've ever had. It wasn't funny at the time for me. It was super uncomfortable. It was in the locker room once where I, I think I broke the Sean Burke traded to, to uh, Phoenix story. We were in Montreal. We were coming back for practice. And I think I broke the story that, that, that Sean Burke was going to be traded to the Phoenix Coyotes, I think for Todd Simpson at the time. 
And you and a certain beat writer with the Panthers were not getting, uh, you know, didn't get along a ton. And you started calling me scoops in the lineup, in the locker room, really like just almost exaggeratedly. <laughs> me? <laughs> right in front of them, Not a chance. Right in front of him. And man, did the shit hit the fan. Yeah, uh, he wanted to. Uh, he wanted to go. He wanted to <laughs> drop the gloves. I thought I was looking at Doug Flynn again. Yeah. eyes, but uh, uh, yeah. No, the beat writer, who's just a great veteran beat writer, Brian Begain, uh, and he's one of my favorite people. Another guy. I mean, David Neal, Brian Begain, and and I, we traveled around together. They really helped me along the way, which is why I'm so kind to like young beat writers now, because Jeff. I'm telling you, Brian and David never treated me like a kid. They never treated me like competition. You know, even if I broke a story, they would sit there and help me get into an arena, or teach me how to how to tr- essentially travel. Which young beat writers, that could be overwhelming at time. You know, we go to dinner on the road and things like that. Um, but uh, you know, Brian had a temper. I mean, you remember he almost got into a fist fight in the locker room with Mike Vernon once. Remember that? Right. Yeah. 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 Well, he, Mike uh, Vernon's like, "You want to go? You want to go?" And, and Brian's like, "Yeah, I want to go. Let's go outside." I'm like, eh, "I don't know if this is a good idea." So, yeah, he uh, he did have a, a bit of a short uh, fuse. There's no question yeah. about that. Why don't we talk about since you're talking about uh, breaking stories? Why don't you talk about the story that I scooped you on? You get uh, scoop. This, <laughs> this, this is like one of the most unbelievable stories ever. So it's um, 2000 and um, well, what would it have been? It would have been like 2012 or 13. It would have been 2013. I think it would have been um, the the wild trade for Danny Heatley while we're in, um, no, excuse me. They trade for, for Jason Pominville while we're in San Jose at the trade deadline. And Pominville flies from Buffalo all the way to LA to meet the team the next day. And what are the chances on the day that Jason Pominville comes to the Minnesota wild is the day that it seals the deal that they are going to buy out Danny Heatley. It's, it couldn't be more obvious. It's my entire story that day. Well, the last shift of the last of the of the last like honestly five seconds in San Jose, Danny Heatley goes to the neck, tussles with uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, and tears his shoulder out of his socket. And you know right away that it is a major major injury. Anyway, we go down to L.A. Pominville debuts, and what a weird trip! The the Wild go from L.A. to Columbus to continue the road trip. So we get to Columbus. You and I have dinner the night before. I tell you that, hey, I'm getting the impression that something's major is going on with uh, Danny Heatley. They didn't send him home. They brought him here to Columbus. You know, I have a feeling just my reporter's intuition that they're sending him up to Cleveland to uh, to go see Dr. Miniachi, the famous uh, Cleveland Clinic shoulder doctor. And I anyway, the next day at the morning skate, I continue like snooping around. And before the game, I happen to see Miniachi. So right away, it's very clear to me that I better do some digging on Danny Heatley. Well, I find out right before the game that Danny Heatley is out for the season. He's going to have season-ending shoulder surgery the next day and that they're not going to be able to buy him out now because it's season-ending surgery. So, of course, I tell my buddy Jeff Rimmer this before the game. I think I make it very clear to him that you can't go with it, that I'm going to have this big scoop after the game. Do not go with it. And anyway, it's, I'm, I'm sitting there during the first period. of the, I mean, we're, we're two minutes into the game. And I'm looking at Twitter, and I have fans tweeting me like, hey, Fox Sports Ohio is reporting that Danny Heatley is out for the season. And I, I my honestly, blood pressure went skyrocketed. My temperature, <laughs> body temperature went from 98.6 to like 105. 
I during the TV timeout, the first TV timeout, I storm in the press box into the Columbus Blue Jackets booth during the TV timeout and go freaking batshit crazy on Rimmer. But I helped you. I helped you break the story. You didn't have to wait till the next day, Russo. If it wasn't for me, you couldn't go to head coach Mike Yo at the time and say, yeah. hey, uh, Fox Sports Ohio is uh, reporting that Danny Heatley's out for the season and needs season-ending shoulder surgery. Well, and that, that was actually exactly the way it worked. Is that um, So Chuck Fletcher wouldn't confirm it. Nobody would confirm it. So I was just doing it off reporter's intuition that I saw Miniachi and started asking around. And somehow, this is even crazier. So I'm the Star Tribune writer at the time. Obviously, there's no athletic writers. And somehow the Pioneer Press misses this, um, doesn't see it on Twitter. So you're right. After the postgame press conference, I was able to grab Mike Yo and essentially almost get him to be sympathetic to me like, like Mike, uh, Fox Sports Ohio has scooped me on this story. And so that's how Mike Yo uh, confirmed to me that Danny Healy was having season-ending surgery. So I actually did use Jeff Rimmer there. So it was almost like we teamed up, but at the time I was not very happy with you. Just doing my job, buddy. Trying to make you better. Yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't it wasn't fun at the time. I, I think that we didn't talk a little bit after that. I was freaking livid. Oh, man. <laughs> What like what was it? You know, I mean, the, the cool part of being down in Florida is, is, you know, and you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Jeff was Brian Murray. I mean, you know, you were obviously uh, really good friends with him, but you know, he really helped me along as a young beat writer. It, it helped at the time, if you remember, the Sun Sentinel struck a deal with the Florida Panthers that um, this, that I would essentially ghostwrite a um, a column that would coincide my Sunday column with the with the Panthers coach at the time, Doug McLean. Well, what are the chances? But the week that we strike this deal, Doug McLean gets fired and Brian Murray, the GM of the team, becomes the coach. So each week I had essentially a private sit down with Brian Murray, the coach and the GM of the Panthers. And so it really helped me, you know, learn the game, learn how to be a professional beat writer, get some scoops as well. And just have this, you know, as a as a 21 year old, 22 year old beat writer, you're not getting the ability to usually sit down with a GM every single week the way that I was with Brian Murray. And so he really taught me the game in a lot of ways. And I know that, you know, both when, when, when he passed away, you and I both were really, really sh shaken. Well, Brian was uh, a great person first and foremost, but, uh, he was just for me, he, uh, was one of the best hockey people, general manager, coach. He was a great coach. Won a lot of games behind the Washington bench, uh, coached in Ottawa, coached uh, a bit in Anaheim. Uh, and the players respected him. He was a player's coach. He knew when to put uh, uh, his foot down uh, with his teams. And he built so many teams in the NHL. He built Ottawa into a great team while he was there, taking over from John Muckler. He built Anaheim. And it was only after their fruits or his fruits of labor that uh, they won a cup. Yeah. Um, give Brian Burke some credit. He brought in uh, the Niedemeyers uh, and uh, he also brought in uh, Chris Pronger. But uh, Brian basically put the rest of that team, the nucleus of that team together uh, in Florida. Uh, I, I thought he did a great job uh, as uh, the second general manager following up on Bobby Clark, bringing in a few pieces to uh, uh, vault the, the team into what was that 95-96 season when they went to uh, the Stanley Cup final. And just, just a great hockey person and just a great, great person. And I had the fortune of working with him both in Washington and, uh, of course, in Florida. And uh, one of my all-time favorites, 
There's some great people in the NHL, but Brian's right up there with the very best. Yeah, and uh, you know another person that we worked closely with down there, obviously, is Doug McLean. He brought you during the lockout. Um, to up, to, it was during the lockout, right? That he yes, brought you uh, to two thousand and four. Yep. Yeah. So you were like the only broadcaster in the league getting paid. Shocking that that worked. Um, worked <laughs> out. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, Doug obviously meant a ton to your career. He's he's a cartoon character. I mean, you know, it's it's really a shame that he's not in media anymore. Because was there a more entertaining show than watching Doug McLean on? on those Sportsnet shows? Oh, uh, he was the best. And uh, he's got that cutting edge. I know he's doing a podcast now with with Nick mm-hmm. Kiprios. Uh, and I'll tell you, he would never admit it. He would never admit it, but he would like to have one more kick at, uh, at the can and uh, send it down the road as far as uh, being involved in hockey. Uh, with today's advent of the pre- uh, president of hockey operations, which he panned, which he panned and, and criticized people when he was at Sportsnet, including my good friend John Davidson, said it was a, a freebie job uh, and a lifetime job. I, I think he'd like to have a kick at the cat. In fact, uh, Buffalo, with Kevin Adams now coaching there, uh, he's had a couple of people suggest that uh, he'd be a great guy. Here's a scoop for you, Russo. He'd be a great guy going in as president of hockey operations there. And you know what? If he got a call from the Pagulas, he'd be on the next plane. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and because you know that he, he, anytime the Pagulas hire somebody, you know you're getting paid. That's for sure. Um, Kevin Adams is a great guy to cover too. Isn't it amazing how many people you and I have covered in this league that are in management or coaching right now? Oh, it's wow. uh, it's pretty crazy. I mean, just think of all those Florida Panthers players that are in in either GMs, you know, assistant GMs, uh, coaches on benches, scouting still to this day. That's a credit um, to the people that uh, went through that organization, plain and simple. Yeah. We'll have to get uh, Doug McLean on this podcast at some point and have him uh, come back and r- tell some rumor stories as well. Well, he'll rip you. Yeah, he may rip me, but he'll be right after you, believe no, that's There's no doubt about that. He says he still taught me how, what an offsides was in the NHL, which you know, might, not be, not be too, might not be too far from the truth. Um, you know, Jeff, uh, yeah, we... we um, you know, uh, tell tell Wild fans that are listening to this or NHL fans in general a little bit about the uh, the Central this year. It's just so bizarre, you know, with this new, um, you know, realignment. I find myself, even as a beat writer, not watching any other division. You know, first of all, you're almost working every day or every other day because because the team that you're covering is playing. So I don't get to a lot of watch uh, things. I watch you because I like you listening to you on the broadcast. But that central division, I think, has been shocking this year. Uh, one, that you guys are in it. Um, but two, you know, seeing that the Florida Panthers are right at the top of the division, that the Chicago Blackhawks, who I think a lot of people just felt like were going to be, uh, you know, in, in a lot of struggles this year, especially with Jonathan Taves out, um, you know, are doing so well. The Carolina Hurricanes seem to be having a great start with, obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. Well, uh, the Lightning are the class. Uh, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, just watched uh, the other night. Uh, Vasilevsky recorded his third straight shutout. Uh, Dallas went to Stanley Cup final. They're in the division, coincidentally, this year uh, with Tampa. They've uh, had a number of COVID issues, and I think they've got seven games in hand as we sit here today on uh, the Blue Jackets. And uh, we're headed to four of the next six games against Dallas, two in Dallas and and two in Columbus. But uh, the surprise team for me, more so than Florida, uh, I expected Florida to be better this year, maybe not as uh, as good as they are challenging for first in the Central. But uh, for me, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. And yes, 
Austin Matthews is having an amazing season. Uh, he's an outstanding talent. Uh, and, and of course, what uh, superlative can you leave out when talking about Connor McDavid? But for me, if Chicago makes the playoffs, Pat, <clears throat> excuse me, Patrick Kane has to be uh, the MVP of the NHL. Uh, this guy seems to get better with age. Uh, he is leading that team. Uh, he is truly the MVP, and uh, he's such a talent. They've got seven or eight rookies in their lineup, including uh, Lankin and the goaltender. Uh, they're a fun team to watch. And as I said, if they make the playoffs, Kane, who uh, last week, uh, last, last weekend, scored his, what, 400th uh, NHL yeah. goal, which uh, makes him the ninth U.S.-born a uh, player to hit that uh, uh, lofty total. He's also the hundredth player in the NHL's history to uh, uh, to reach the 400 goal mark. But uh, he has to be the MVP in my opinion. And uh, Dallas is certainly underperformed. They've had a number of injuries to deal with. We've talked about Tampa, uh, but uh, yeah, Florida. If uh, they get the goaltending, and right now it seems as if uh, Drieger uh, has out performed and won the starting job away from the $10 million goaltender, Sergei Bobrovsky. And I want to say a story here about Bobrovsky. Uh, and I was quite friendly with both Bobrovsky and Panarin when they were here. I was sad to see them both leave. But, uh, you know, sometimes uh, pastures aren't always greener. And here, Bobrovsky played under a system with a blue line in front of him that uh, Florida simply does not have. And what he has faced for the last couple of seasons after winning two Vezina trophies in Columbus is odd man rush after odd man rush, three on twos, two on ones. And he's had a difficult time with that. In Columbus, with John Tortorella's system and with the players here, he was protected. The system fitted his game. He wanted the $10 million. He wanted to be one of the highest paid goaltenders. The Blue Jackets certainly were willing to make him one of the highest paid goaltenders, but I don't think they ever thought about going to that 10 million mark. And even after he left, you look at the Blue Jackets last season with uh, Elvis Merzlikens and Jonas Corposalo, they got the job done. And, and uh, uh, of course, uh, Bobrovsky in his first season in Florida struggled. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, didn't, uh, didn't Panarin and Bobrovsky give you a ride down to Florida from the, uh, for the bye week a couple of years ago? Weren't you in Minnesota? Yeah, we were in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and before the trip, uh, Panarin, I got very, very close to Panarin. And uh, I know still in New York, uh, he goes through an interpreter, but uh, uh, he and I spent a lot of time together on the road. And uh, I really love this kid. As a hockey player, he's certainly one of the, the best. You guys have uh, a young Russian there, Kaprizov, who's certainly impressive as well. But I'll tell you, Panarin, he made everybody better on this Blue Jackets team. But anyway, uh, he knew that uh, my wife and family lived in Florida. And before uh, flying out to Minnesota, he came to me and asked me if uh, I was flying direct from Minnesota to Florida, if I was coming back with a team to Columbus. And this was during the All-Star break. And uh, I said that I was going to fly back to Columbus and, and fly the next day. I'd already purchased my ticket. No free ticket, by the way, Russo. And uh, anyway, uh, he said, why don't you fly with uh, Bob and I, Bobrovsky and I? And I said, no, 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 no. He said, no, no, our treat. Well, uh, how could I resist? So I packed for a trip to Florida after that Minnesota game. Uh, lo and behold, we get on this beautiful Gulfstream jet. Uh, Bobrovsky ordered the food. We had the best bottle of wine I think I've ever had. Uh, steak and lobster, Caesar salad. And these guys are feeding me all the way home. And I said, no, no, I don't even want to eat. I don't eat late at night like you. 
uh, well, they they forced me to eat, and it was a, a great meal. And uh, once we landed in Miami, because both of them have places in Miami, uh, they had a limo there for me to take me wow. from Miami to uh, Boynton Beach, Florida. And uh, hey, I I am forever grateful. It was one of the best plane yeah, rides that I've cool. ever had. I got spoiled, that so. Yeah, last question for you, Jeff. I know you got to get into a morning skate, and I've got uh, some things to do out here in Las Vegas. Um, uh, you've you've gotten to call games for guys like Panarin, Rick Nash in Florida, Pavel Bure. Um, you know, Bure still to this day is the best player that I've ever covered in my life. I mean, in a clutch and grab era, pretty much. You know, you know, dead puck hockey. Basically, he scored fifty eight and fifty nine goals back to back, which is just nuts down there. Um, who would you say is the best player that you've ever called games for? At least, uh, you know, obviously you had guys in Washington too and Montreal. Oh boy. Uh, too many to name, uh, Guy Lafleur, uh, I'll name one in each uh, of my stops, uh, Guy Lafleur, uh, just fly down that right wing, the air going, uh, scoring, uh, highlight real goals every night. Of course, I wasn't calling play-by-play in those days. I would have loved to call play-by-play on on uh, on Lafleur, Larry Robinson, uh, uh, multiple the Norris Trophy winner, uh, great in Montreal. Uh, on to Washington, and I wasn't there obviously for the Ovechkin years. Uh, I'm going to surprise you with my pick there. Underrated defenseman, even though he's a Hall of Famer, Scott Stevens, who coached briefly there in Minnesota with you. Uh, tremendous, tremendous hockey mind and a great player and a tough player. Uh, and then here, uh, or actually Florida, Pavel Bure, without question. Bure, there's some great people in Florida, but the best player, uh, maybe one of the best uh, players of all time, as far as I'm concerned, was Pavel Bure. And then uh, in, uh, in Columbus, uh, Rick Nash was great, but uh, Artemi Panarin uh, was in a class by himself, and he's certainly proving that right now with the Rangers. Well, Jeff, uh, you know, this was a lot of fun taking a trip down memory lane. I cannot wait to, uh, you know, first of all, you and Jody Shelley do just a tremendous job on Fox Sports Ohio. Um, You know, it's it's nice that finally one of your color analysts has lasted more than a year. Um, Usually you run them right out of there. So. You're blaming me, are you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Denny Potvin survived uh, Survived working with you. But yeah, 11 years was a little Dennis. bit of a revolving door. 11 years with Dennis. Yeah. Um, but hey, Jeff, uh, really, I, I can't wait to uh, you know give your speech at, the, uh, at your Hall of Fame ceremony uh, one day. You absolutely, uh, your longevity and uh, your professionalism and just uh, the entertainment and what you do to, uh, you know, Columbus Blue Jackets fans are certainly, certainly very lucky to have you as their longtime boys. So thanks for doing this, Jeff. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for the kind words. And if you uh, if you are not an athletic subscriber, you can get in for $3.99 a month. Not only do we have articles throughout the uh, throughout the platform, but we have tons of podcasts. Uh, Jeff Jackson, the agent for Connor McDavid, is Craig Custance's guest uh, this week on The Full 60. And James Reimer. We have Jeff Rimmer, Scott Burnside, and Pierre Lebron have James Reimer this week on Two Man Advantage of the Athletic Hockey Show. That is uh, Wednesday, which is today. So definitely listen to that. And check out our comments section for each podcast episode of The Athletic app and rate and subscribe to Straight From The Source on Apple. If you aren't already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source and receive a subscription for just $3.99 a month. Thanks a lot, Jeff. My pleasure. Have a great day.